Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Well, the Southern Baptist Convention met uh, last week, and um, they were really reeling over uh, the bombshell report on sexual abuse and cover-up. And as my guest, Terry Mattingly, pointed out to us a few weeks ago, there's a real interesting problem here, because the Southern Baptist Convention is not a denomination in any of the traditional sense. In, in other words, these are all an association of independent local churches. So the question is, who's in charge of this place? Well, there is no this place. That's part of the problem. Terry Mattingly is the editor of Get Religion. He writes the nationally syndicated On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate, a senior fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi, focusing on religion, Jews, and the First Amendment. You can uh, follow his work at getreligion.org, and we'll have other ways of contacting Terry on the website. Terry, thanks for coming back. Glad to be here. So what happened with the Southern, at the Southern Baptist Convention? Well, it actually was quite uh, dramatic, but at the same time, it was exactly what could have, what we expected to have happen. It, it unfolded on several levels. They approved a package of recommendations to fight sexual abuse in their churches, and this included using a third party, which soon to be selected, using a third party agency to create a list of known abusers or people who have been creditably accused of abuse. And as you would know from following the Catholic story through the years, the clashes between canon law and secular law, what constitutes credibly abused is always an issue. Right. But they've got some decent standards there, and they've got a task force to deal with it. Um, So that happened. Then second... They elected a um, an interesting man from the state of Texas. He's actually the pastor of a pretty ordinary, normal, rural Baptist church, not a huge, powerful megachurch. And they elected him as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And he is firmly committed to attempting to do something about the sexual abuse issue. Um, he was running against a representative of a... Uh, Kind of a, a conservative, an ultra conservative, if we could use that. I hate labels like that. But a, an even more conservative body of people called the Conservative Baptist Network. And their position on sexual abuse was always kind of hard to figure out. The, the main thing is they didn't want to take any risks. The, the recommendations that came down by using a third party group. It's, they're trying to avoid whether creating a situation where you could sue the Southern Baptist Convention as a whole, since, as you said earlier, the Southern Baptist Convention isn't a denomination. And what you and I talked about turned out to be the theme of most of the writing I did during the convention, during yeah. the national convention. In Baptist thought, there is no such thing as a diocese. There right. is no larger group with trust funds, a budget, and insurance that rep- that owns the property, that ordains the clergy, all of that happens at the at the local church level. So, yeah, the exact thing I told you would happen. The yep. issue now is how will the churches cooperate? 
with this program and also what happens when people start suing the Baptist agencies which are institutions that exist on their own and you can go after them that's so the, that's, the, that's what we expected to have happen and frankly that's what happened now there is an interesting point of church history that came up in another um, another dramatic moment in the convention that actually gets linked to the sexual abuse thing as well did you follow the coverage enough to see what happened with Saddleback Church and Rick Warren? I know that uh, he re- reti- resigned and that uh, the fellow who was coming in came under question because of his abuse of authority. But no, I didn't follow it carefully. Yeah. Okay, well, at the Southern Baptist Convention, some people noted that Saddleback recently ordained three women as pastors. Oh, that's right. Yes, now, that was another aspect. In of it. Baptist terms, Saddleback would say it's crucial they did not ordain them to be senior pastors with authority over an entire right. church. Right. They named them, they used the term pastor to apply to specific types of ministry, like mm-hmm. education or whatever. So then that gets into an interesting argument over what is and what isn't a pastor uh, in a Baptist system that is constantly evolving and changing as all free church Protestant churches do. Right. But right. here's what's interesting and in how it links to the sexual abuse thing. The Baptists are trying to decide whether they're confessional or not. Whether there can be a document, the key one is called the Baptist Faith and Message, that serves as a kind of confession of faith or creed, and you're expected to honor it. Now, the Baptists have already shown that they will throw a church out of the denomination over the issue of racism. They will throw a church out of the, I just called it the denomination. I shouldn't <laughs> they'll, throw, they'll throw you out of the Baptist network if you, are, if you get too liberal on LGBTQ issues. Mm-hmm. And so the question now is, can you throw a church out of of the networks at the local, state, and national level. Can you throw them out if they refuse to cooperate with the sexual abuse program? And yeah. once again, as we know, uh, I, I love the Chesterton quote that he, he believes that the saints should have the right to vote. Well, in Baptist life, only the saints who are alive right now get to vote. <laughs> right, and thus right. we end up with these continuing power clashes over how, how many votes can they get to the convention, who votes a certain way at the convention, and all of that can even determine things that really have a lot to do with church history and doctrine. Yeah. I, it, it's got to be awfully difficult to find the center of gravity uh, in a, a network like Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, what do you... You can hold up scripture... Uh, I thought there were some Baptist uh, creeds, the New Hampshire Confession, or something like that. But they don't have yeah. those. Oh. Those things don't have any binding power for anybody else. I mean, so what you have here is competing definitions yeah. of what it means to be a Baptist. And when yeah. you define the term the priesthood of the believer, and you combine that with sola scriptura. You can right. end up with every single individual believer gets to interpret Sola Scriptura for themselves. Right. 
Right. And that's how you yeah. end up with Bill Clinton and Pat Robertson in the same de- same convention. In the same denomination, yeah, same convention, right? You just called it. You just called it a denomination. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a habit that dies hard. Um, it's more like a tradition. It's or an, or an anti-tradition. I've heard it called. Yeah, it's an anti-tradition uh, church tradition. So I I understand being able to sue uh, the, the publishing companies, uh, Broadman, right. Goldman, seminaries. Uh, yeah, missions agencies, that stuff. Yeah, uh, I get that, but I'm I'm wondering. So with this, uh, they have a third party that comes in to collect data on abuse, and on I accusers, assume right. on those who are accused. Yeah, those who are accused, and I assume that's going to so so every uh, local church will be able to access that when they're Correct. considering pastoral candidates. Uh, Correct. Uh, and also, there'll be ways for people who believe they've been abused to report to that and ask the third-party agency to to follow the case, you know, and see yeah. when it meets the standard of going on the list. Okay. Um, they, they've set up ways. I mean, if you, if you don't trust your local church, who are you going to call? Well, right. they you should call police. One of the one of the more interesting things that happens was the Southern Baptist Convention strongly approved, overwhelmingly approved, a call for every state government in the United States to say that any sexual contact between pastors and anyone in their flock, even if it's um, mutual consent, and is like, say, adultery or something like that, that all of that should be defined as abuse because a pastor is by his very nature in authority over those people, and it's an abuse of authority. And some states have already done this. And I thought that was a a positive move for kind of clarity on where they stand. Mm -hmm. But the SBC said any sexual contact between our clergy and people who are under their care is abuse. A form of abuse, You don't even have to argue about it. If it happens, it's abuse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's interesting. I mean, biblically too, the idea that teachers are held to a higher standard kind of plays to that as well. Uh, so uh, the pastor who's uh, an adulterer is not just your garden variety adulterer. He's an adulterer with with an authority over uh, the person. Yeah, especially he's, if it's a member of his flock. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Who who now, who hi- who hires this third party though? Who pays the third party? The, the task force that was set up by the convention. The convention okay. authorized a task force that it will appoint. The convention's committee on nominations, which that means it's linked to the actual, actual national convention. That national convention will appoint the task force. And that task force will do the third party. Now, the guidepost group, Guidepost Solutions, who did this, blockbuster report there was a there was a kerfuffle you know that occurred during the convention in that the week before the convention or two weeks before the convention guidepost put out a tweet um supporting pride month you know this is Mm. what we believe you know about pride month and needless to say that didn't go over big with a lot of southern baptists right the others noted we didn't hire them because we agreed with them on every issue we hired them because they're the single best group at investigating clergy abuse 
that exists in the United States. So the task force now will choose a third party. I will be surprised if it's guidepost in light of that. But they yeah, will choose yeah. a third party that will monitor and keep this this uh, this uh, clergy abuse list that churches can consult. What's been the response of uh, evangelical uh, activists uh, on this question, like uh, Rachel Denhollander, who at least well, one time was an evangelical? Yeah. Well, she well she is no she's definitely an evangelical. She is, she is. okay. And she I didn't I wasn't sure if she was still there. Yet she's on the task force at the moment, the task force that exists, and she um, she was at the convention. She was there in part to kind of minister or counsel with victims who kept contacting her to talk. And there was a very emotional moment when all this thing passed. Several victims were on the floor of the convention representing their local congregations. And you could imagine that was a very emotional scene. Wow. When these yeah. women who had been in some cases fighting for more than a decade yeah. to get their cases heard watched an overwhelming vote of the Southern Baptist Convention to take this issue seriously yeah. and begin to take some steps to move in that direction. Wow. Terry, thanks again. Wonderful talking with you. How do people stay in, in touch with your work? GetReligion.org and TMAT.net. They can put their email addresses at both sites and get a daily summary from us. Very good. Thanks, Terry. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye.